you for listening to the Everything Must Go podcast. I'm Steven, alongside here with Brandon. The song that you just listened to, you probably recognize, that comes at the very end of every one of our episodes. It is The Passion in Mind by our co-host here, Brandon Flippin. And today is a special day. Today is Friday, November 2nd, 2018, and it is the day that Brandon officially drops his new album. So, Brandon, where can people listen to that? Yeah, you can find it pretty much anywhere that you stream music or purchase music, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, if you like to listen to Pandora Radio, iHeartRadio, um, if you hear a friend listening to a song that sounds like me, you can Shazam it and then open it up in Spotify. Uh, it's Google Play, YouTube Music, all of that stuff. Uh, it should be available for you to uh, to check it out. SoundCloud as well, I'll put it up there. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, super, super excited that this day has finally come after all this time. And what and what's like really cool about this is that there is such a backstory behind this album coming to be. And we realize this is not like one of our normal episodes. This is not a numbered episode or anything. This is just a chance for us to reminisce a little bit on this yeah. album and and talk about the significance in Brandon's life. So. If you are interested, then tune into this. If not, we'll be back to our normal scheduled content starting on Tuesday. So you can listen to those episodes. But if you are interested, then this is going to be the ride of Brandon's journey to making this album and kind of my incorporation to being a part of the journey, not in their songwriting or anything like that, but just knowing how it all came to be our yeah. sophomore year of college when we met. So I'll, I'll start a little bit of going into that story and then... By the end of this, we'll actually go into the album and start talking about uh, a few of the songs. And um, yeah, we'll go into final thoughts at, in the very, very end. So let's let's start with me getting to know Brandon and knowing just how passionate he is about music. So I met Brandon our sophomore year of college. We both went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, because a lot of times people ask me where that is. It's in Knoxville, not Nashville, Tennessee. We met in a math class and... One of the first things that I could tell you about Brandon was he's uh, he kind of came across as he was very confident in what he was doing, and I was almost a little I don't want to say intimidated, but I was like, "What is this guy trying to do here? He's not like <laughs> the other. He's not like these southern gentlemen who I meet. Um, I'm not from the south, so for me, uh, I'm used to. Or it, when I first went to Tennessee, it was kind of shocking how everyone was very like comforting. So when I, I meet Brandon, I'm like, something's different about this guy. And uh, yeah, he's from Minnesota, so that's definitely not the South. And maybe that's why he gave off this vibe, that and the fact that, you know, he he knew he was on to something with his music. So one of the first conversations that I had with Brandon was what what he is into and what he does. And he, he started telling me about, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a musician. And I was like, okay, this guy means business, I guess. So <laughs> make me sound like a douche with that voice. I appreciate. It. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a musician, dude. <laughs> I'm just like this incredible musician. So like, bow down to me. Um, but no, it's a real thing. I, I knew right away that this guy was very passionate about his music. And when we f- first started becoming friends and started hanging out. He had a keyboard, and he would oftentimes just start jamming on it. We would just be in the middle of hanging out, just having a good time, eating some Doritos or something. I know you're a big Doritos. Or, are you Doritos or Oreos guy? Oreos. I definitely know you like those. No, I'm, I'd say I'm more a Doritos guy than an Oreos guy. There we go. Although that year, I actually did eat an entire case of uh-oh Oreos in one setting. <laughs> I was 
I was gonna refrain from telling that story because that's <laughs> I, that story is so funny to me. I, I've I can't believe you actually like accomplished that. I don't think I even have it in me to do that. Well, I was doing homework at the time, so I like wasn't even paying attention to the fact that I was eating them, and I just. <laughs> by like habitual nature just kept grabbing more oreos and then i was like oh shit i didn't take this entire case oh my yeah it's a pretty impressive story to be honest with you but uh more impressive than even his ability to eat the oreos was yeah he he always would start singing these songs or playing on his piano and a lot of times he would actually ditch me to go play music which you know i i got over it but take me back a little bit to that mindset going to college, like a, a lot of people do in their 20s, but how to also balance that with your passion of music. What was uh, what was going through 20-year-old Brandon's head at that point? Well, I don't even think I 100% for sure knew exactly when I was going to pursue music. I thought, like the original thought was, I'll go get my degree, and then after I get my degree, I'll focus on music. And that was kind of my my first inclination to the pursuit. And then as I started to kind of unlock these new levels of focus and determination within music, like I started getting way better at the piano. I think my songwriting skills started developing to a new level. Um, By no means was I like hundred percent there yet. Not, I mean, when you're a songwriter, I don't think you're ever a hundred percent there. You're always improving your, your craft and whatnot, but I was definitely a beginner an amateur, um, at best. And I, I just loved writing things that I felt were meaningful to me and it became sort of an obsession. And so, you know, when you talk about times that I would ditch you for, you know, playing music, I get this, this thing in me sometimes where if I just have an idea that sparks or something, I like, I can't be patient with it. I have to see it through. I remember just a couple months ago, I ended up starting to write a new song and I uh, was at my buddy's place. I I like started to write a new song. I put it on the back burner, but it, it, it wouldn't leave my head. And I went to my buddy's house and I was distracted the whole night. I couldn't really focus. And then at two in the morning, I left his house. I was, I was going to be sleeping over there, but I left his house to go home and finish the song. And so that was kind of, my mind would get into these zones and it would, I would be like, I need to put more effort into this. And so then it came to a point of like, do I really want to get a degree and then pursue music and have my degree as my plan B? Or do I want to make a hundred percent of my focus on just music. And that's when things kind of took a new, uh, a new level altogether. And I made my decision to drop out of school. Yeah. And, and one thing I will say that if you fast forward to all the, all the time later to us doing this podcast, now one of the big inspirations behind me wanting to work with Brandon on, on anything creatively is because he totally inspired me that sophomore year of college by just his work ethic and, made me realize that if I was really going to make it in anything in life, I had to actually make some sacrifices and work the way that Brandon was. He was very much, he, he, there was the time where we would just hang out and, and just kind of just shoot the shit. And then there was a time where Brandon's like, Hey, I can't do this. I got to focus on my music. And at that point in my life, when I was 20 years old, I certainly wasn't as mature enough yet to make those types of a decision. So that was something that inspired me to want to work with Brandon on something much later on. And I remember specifically back that sophomore year, 
of college when you actually had mentioned the name of the album way back in what was 2012, 11? 11, 12. I think I might have met you. you know, we, yeah, I think we met 2011, but I think I the first time I mentioned it was 2012 because I don't think I wrote it. When did I write it? It, it was between 2011 and 2012, like right around that, the beginning of the year. Yeah, and we hung out a lot, a lot that second half of the year, so yeah. of the school year. So that would have been 2012. But that was the first time you had mentioned something like that. And I thought it was very interesting that you had planned out what your album was going to be like that far in advance because, uh, and we'll get to this, but just how much further, that, further out the album actually was recorded than the first time you had mentioned it, but yeah. it's pretty cool. Well, I, I want to say one thing, just kind of a personal philosophy with music. Like, I think if you're going to create an album, me personally, I think it the idea of a concept album makes more sense to me, where like you have a collection of songs that, like they're good on their own, but they mean something more when you put them together. And I, you know, I a lot of what music is today is a lot of singles and you don't get as many albums because people don't buy albums anymore. But I kind of grew up with the more traditional idea that an album is kind of a collective piece where these songs kind of have a, a connection between each other. And so even before the passionate mind, I had these other ideas in my head for possible concept albums. And I would, I would write songs and then I would kind of organize them by what album they would fit in um but the passionate mind was one that i always kind of came back to for some reason because it i think it i think of all the ideas that i had it was the one that rang most true to who i am and and so like for a debut album i feel like it made the most sense to stick to that idea definitely yeah that just that ability to to kind of especially nowadays but it's such a single heavy environment i i right. completely agree with the wanting to create an album part I, I mean i see a bunch of artists nowadays you go on their spotify and they don't even have albums they just got like 20 singles and uh it's i mean it's fine it's, it's just the way kind of music has gone and those singles are all good songs on their own but i just i kind of look at an album specifically as a collection where the reason that you would put all these songs on one piece is because they mean they have a similar theme or they just have a specific order that makes sense to them. Um, you know, a big, a big one is, uh, because the internet by childish Gambino. Like, I feel like that album is a really good, like modern depiction of uh, a story being told by a collection of songs rather than a bunch of singles. Interesting. Ah, interesting. Sometimes, uh, when I talk to you, I don't even, know what some of your thoughts are on these things we've never like really talked about it in depth so it's kind of cool for me to hear it but that kind of takes us to the big decision that you made which was you and I talked about maybe being roommates junior year of college but you know you had made this decision that you were going to focus on music so what uh what was the big decision or what made that decision and what was the reception well so uh, it kind of came about because I think during winter break, I recorded uh, an EP called Hammers and Strings. And Ooh, yeah, uh, I know that one. Yeah. I remember, I remember taking the front cover with you. Yeah. <laughs> Steven took the picture of the front cover. It was like in this hall that had a grand piano and I like put my hand on it and then we like photoshopped it so that it was just me and the piano and like a black background. Um, 
but that was like a collection of four songs that I had written at that point. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of the people that were around at that time always bring those songs up to me because it was just kind of, you know, we, we've talked about this many times, how art and music in particular can be a time capsule. And for a lot of us that were around each other at that time, it, it kind of brings us back to those memories and those moments. But, uh, after I recorded that thing, and I think just, I, you know, how I talked earlier about, I started unlocking these new levels of focus after I recorded that. And I was starting to talk to like a potential manager. And, um, I don't remember if you, if, uh, well, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this like competition that I did where it was like, whoever gets the most, uh, Facebook likes, in a certain time frame, gets to be on this competition and a bunch of my friends like went on a rampage sharing my page with a bunch of their friends and I ended up getting up to like 5,000 likes on my or follows on my Facebook page and it was just like holy shit like I'm actually getting some momentum here and people are liking me I started getting some gigs and I was just like this has to be my focus I have to do this and I was definitely thinking about it but I, I, I'll admit that when I was younger, a lot of my, you know, I, I really valued my support systems, uh, confidence in me and, and what they felt was the best path. So I don't know if I even would have done it if I hadn't had the support of my, my parents, but I kind of brought it up to them and they were like, we agree with you. We, we think that you, you should do this, drop out of school and pursue music. You know, you have one life you know, to, to go for this and you're young, you have the opportunity here to do it. And so after I got that, that was kind of the, the final straw in, in making the decision. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just committed to it. And I also had a drummer at the time that had also dropped out of school. And we had kind of talked about him coming down to Tennessee from Minnesota to work with me. So it was like all the stars were aligning and, uh, it just felt right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting to hear that your parents were like, yeah, go ahead and do it, just because that's such a bold thing to do that's for someone at that age who's already been in school for a couple of years. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there was definitely some fear about it, but I think, I think what really helped prove to them that I was ready was this new work ethic that I had shown. Um, it would have been one thing if I just would, like wrote a couple songs here and there, but I was like writing one song a week. I mean, I don't know if you remember me giving you telling you that that was my goal to write one song a week and I started doing that and just the EP a lot of people liked the the EP that I came out with so all of this stuff kind of combined I think pushed them in the right direction as well so what was the pursuit of music like for you well I uh as much as I was preparing my myself in terms of my craft and uh, working on that aspect of things, I uh, was very, very naive as to what the pursuit would be like. Um, even though I had this EP that was available on like iTunes, which I think that's all it was available on was iTunes, so you had to buy it in order to, to listen to it. And streaming wasn't as big back then. Um, I didn't like I would go perform shows and not have anything to give people. 
Like I, I actually gave them a, I had a business card that said, uh, Brandon flip in. And then it gave them all the links to like my Facebook page, YouTube page and Twitter page. But one thing as a, as an artist that is trying to get your stuff out there, a lot of times for fans, you need to make it as convenient as possible. So the first mistake I think I made was not having physical copies of a CD so that after a show that I performed, because I had a couple times where people came up to me after the shows and they wanted to take pictures of me and, and were like really impressed and, and were big fans, but I didn't have anything to give them. So when they left, uh, I'm guessing they probably forgot about me, you know, whereas if I had an EP or a CD or something, I could have been like, thank you so much. Here, here's this. And they could have popped it in on the way home, you know? Um, so that was one of the mistakes that I made. But the other thing too was, I didn't really have anybody in my corner in terms of a business partner. So I was doing all of these things creatively. I was posting on YouTube once a week and I started gaining some, some ground on YouTube. I was performing once or twice a week at different venues along, uh, uh, the Nashville music scene. I had started doing co-writes with other artists. I was doing a shit ton of stuff, but just doing that stuff, it's, I mean, unless you get super, super lucky, you're not just going to all of a sudden get discovered. And I kind of thought that that's how it goes, you know, because you and I have talked about if we just put things out in the universe, now you actually have a chance for something to stick. And I thought, I think part of me believed that that was the only way to make it. Like you were just supposed to continuously do this stuff and then eventually someone important enough will just find you and and you'll take off which that can happen but i think for the majority of people that make it that's not exactly how it goes um and so that was kind of the beginning of it and then when i started getting a little more savvy about it i started to incorporate social media a lot more and that was when i started to really see a conflict in what i kind of stood for morally and and like what I wanted to do, um, with music as opposed to what I was now trying to do in order to make it. Cause I would just, I would just post these random things and I was just trying too hard. And then I, I realized my songwriting kind of started becoming like, okay, how can I write the next big hit song? And that was not the reason that I you know, started out with the music. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that you can speak for that too, you know, hearing, you know, we used to have a ton of deep talks that sophomore year about the different songs that I was writing about and and then it would lead one thing to another. So trying to write the next hit song just wasn't it for me, you know? Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from with the, the, the idea when you're a musician, you have to draw a line of, and Kind of what we talked about in a previous episode, which we tend to do this a lot, but when you're passionate about something, you don't really want to make, especially when it's like very artistic, you don't want to make these compromises. You want it to be your way. You don't want to feel like you had to try to do something to make other people happy with it. But especially when you drop out of school, you've got all of this, this anxiety of, okay, well, I got this money that uh, I, I spent on my education and now I've. I'm, I've backed out of it, so I better make it in music. Yeah. So if I don't get people to actually take an interest, no matter how good I think I am, it's not going to matter. So I have to think about what song is going to get me discovered. Right. So at that point in time, 
you probably were having a lot of that uh, anxiety going on in, in you. And it is unfortunate, and we've talked about this before, that me and you didn't talk as much during your actual high-intensity pursuit pursuit of music when you had dropped out of school and sometimes i do wish that i got to be there more for it so when i hear this part of the story it is interesting to hear your perspective on it yeah well it it was a huge struggle for me because there was this this pressure that i was putting on myself because i took the safety net out you know i was walking the tightrope of this pursuit without any safety net because i wasn't you know in school anymore so i i didn't have something to fall back on now I kind of did because I ended up going back to school and finishing my degree, but I had these student loans that I was paying off. I had to have a, you know, a full-time job to pay them off, but it was like, I need to make it in music. So how can I make it in music so that I can just do what I want to do? So it was almost like, how can I make that hit song so that once I make that hit song, I can make whatever I want to do. Exactly. Make whatever I want to make. And, uh, but that part of the journey was very troubling for me. I, I've talked previously on, on episodes. I went to a meeting with ASCAP, who is a licensing, they kind of protect, uh, artists licensure so that like, if you put one of my songs on your video without getting permission or without paying me, they'll find it and they'll make sure that I get paid correctly. Um, and I went to a songwriting meeting with them and I played a song of mine that's unreleased and they said that it was the lyrics were too intellectual for a mainstream audience which can make sense if you're just trying to write a just a stereotype i mean you guys probably are familiar with the songs that are on the radio some you do have a lot of times where you know you hear kind of the same songs over and over again um and just kind of different simple lyrics and that simplicity is just supposed to be catchy and whatever. And they said that my title of my song needs to be the hook of the song as well. And I was just like, holy shit, what am I doing? And I had like, I had a quarter life crisis pretty much at this point. Cause I was just like, (laughs) what did I get myself into? Because growing up, my interest in music was very much in the pop scene. And so when you hear my music, you'll probably hear kind of the pop influence in my melodies and stuff like that. So I was kind of trying to do a different thing, which was kind of melding this uh, desire to speak in to, to lyrically be intellectual and to lyrically be emotional along with incorporating catchy melodies and, and whatnot. And people are really good at doing it. Like Coldplay, I think is really good at doing it. Um, there are, there are a bunch of artists that, that are capable of doing it, but I think, um, you know, either I wasn't as good or, you know, whatever, when I'm not, I don't have the validity of being successful. People are just going to say, no, this, this isn't the path that you should follow. And so I really, really struggled. And I kind of started to back away from music altogether. And then I met the producer of my album, Ford Haycock, um, who I ended up having a similar interest in 80s synth pop music. Uh, that this was the time when the movie Drive came out um, with Ryan Gosling, and a bunch of the music for that soundtrack was this '80s synth pop driven stuff, and he was really into it. So we started writing songs together, uh, and we started a band called Transistor Radio. And you can look up. There's a couple of music videos on YouTube. Uh, look up Transistor Radio Won't Quit or Transistor Radio Things, and uh, 
I kind of started to cling to transistor radio because I thought transistor radio was kind of the way that pop music was going was headed in the direction pop music was headed in like the electronic stuff which you do kind of see it's like a it's like a mashup of a little dubstep electronic um edm and pop kind of infused uh melodies and and so i was like oh this is a great opportunity and i'm really just trying to make it so i really clung to transistor radio and my solo stuff that i really really cared about kind of got put on the back burner for a while and uh i was still writing but it wasn't as prominent as it had been before and i think that that hurt me as well um so yeah, that was kind of where things were at at that point. And then, as you know, my family ended up moving up to Minnesota, and I stayed in Nashville, and I got, became the general manager of a Jimmy John's, which ended up taking up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, what, what would you say about that? Because anyone who's trying to make it in the music industry, as much as it would be nice to just focus 100% of your effort on music... There does need to be the financial part of it, which you need to be able to support yourself in some way. So basically right. everyone ends up having to get an actual, uh, like a nine to five job or something like that to kind of make ends meet to support themselves. How difficult was that to balance you trying to create your music and also uh, work your Jimmy John's job? Well, the problem with me is I'm vi- I can be very patient with other people, but I think you probably relate to this, but where I'm very impatient with myself. And so when I got this Jimmy John's job, I definitely didn't understand exactly how taxing it was going to be, like how time consuming. I I mean, the first, I think the first three months I was working 70 hour weeks pretty much every week. And uh, I slept there a couple times and... like my yeah my number one priority kind of became jimmy john's and i don't really know why i did that i don't know why i let it kind of consume me like that i i think it was the first time that i had an opportunity in life to kind of turn something that i had earned into my own creation like the the state of the shop that i became the general manager of was kind of on the decline. And I really like looked at it as my project. Like I could bring this up and just listening to myself now, I'm like, why did I care about that? This wasn't (laughs) going to be my career, but I like really cared about it. I really wanted to put effort into it. But then I resented myself because all of that effort, like I didn't have, I didn't have the stamina to put that into my music as well. So I kind of dropped off the map. I think I performed once in that that three-month span. I wasn't really doing much with Transistor Radio. Um, I think I wrote a couple songs, but the, the songs you could tell I was just kind of trying to whip together. Like I was listening to them the other day. Um, these are unreleased songs as well. But I was listening to them the other day, and they're very, I guess, good at attempts to depict the emotions I was feeling at that time, but they were just so lazy. Like I, I just was trying to get songs done because it was like, I I didn't have the time or effort to do it. So I guess to give advice for people that might be pursuing, I think it's one of two ways that you got to handle it. Number one, 
you can do something that my uh, one of my roommates, he, he's a cello player. He plays cello on this album, The Passionate Mind. He, um, he did not have a nine to five job. He only took gigs that would pay him with his cello. Now he's a musician. So getting like, um, being a session musician, you can get pretty good gigs for that. And also, you know, just being a live musician, that's one thing. It's, it's a little different when you're like a solo artist to get paid for stuff, but he did that and he just kind of set himself up. I'm not going to get a nine to five job. I'm going to let this push me to work. So you can do it that way and be a starving artist as they'll say, or you can do it as you have to have incredible patience with yourself and understand that you have to have a nine to five job in order to support yourself, but don't let that nine to five job discourage you from what you're really meant to be doing. And I think that's what happened to me. I think I, number one, for some reason, made it my focus. And number two, I also resented myself for making it my focus and and let it drain me. And then I had to kind of pick up the pieces after that was done. So just be patient with yourself while you're doing both of these things because it is tough to balance. Definitely. And, I mean, obviously you you had your ups and downs in the process. So talk me through the sort of the peak of your musical pursuit and then what ultimately made you realize that you needed to reevaluate your pursuit of music and try something else. So there was, I kind of had like this light bulb moment that went off. I, well, I had started writing music again, um, in the winter of, I think 20, 2014, 2013, 2014, I think it was 2014. And I started writing songs and I, it's really weird because once you've kind of unlocked a certain level of musicianship or songwriting ability, I think your mind just works differently. Like it's, even if you take time off, like you definitely need to get back into it, but there, I, it's almost like new layers get unraveled. And I think I had gotten past a certain layer, but I took some time off. And then when I came back to write, I almost was reinvigorated with this new desire to write differently than I had ever written before. And it took a while to really bring it to the peak, but a lot of the songs that are on this this album, The Passionate Mind, came from this time when I was writing songs um, in a way I had never done before, whether it was instead of just lazily throwing something together to have a song finished, I would like go back and do rewrite after rewrite until it just felt like the words that were on the page 100% matched the tone of the music I was doing. And, uh, you know, you'd think, well, why weren't you doing that from the get go? But from the get go, it was like, I, I always felt like there was this ticking time clock on me. Like I had to write a hit song now. And, and so I, that pressure kind of pushed me into, uh, you know, self-inflicted, but it pushed me into rushing things. But now it was like, I really got nothing to lose. I'm just going to start writing stuff. And then I was, I just had this epiphany of like, I need to make this an album. And 
my buddy Ford had kind of started a record label and I was going to like be like signed onto that record label. And, and then I wrote a script, um, for a theatrical performance that I did end up performing with my band, uh, called Insomniac, which was kind of a, a collection of these songs that are on the album, uh, told in a different story than what the album tells then. And, Along with that, I, I just, I was just at a new level of focus. And so I kind of started out, uh, you know, we talked about, I'm releasing this album as a solo artist, Brandon Flippin, but I had made the decision that I wanted it to be under the band name, The Restless. And the reason I wanted to do that was because I, I had listened to an interview with Colin Cowherd, which I know a lot of people are very polarized in their opinions of him. But he talked about the idolization of like celebrities nowadays and how we really put these celebrities on a pedestal and like we have all these superstars. And I think one of the ways that I felt I could counteract this desire to be something I'm not was to take myself out of the picture altogether. And I could do that as The Restless. The Restless was a band. It wasn't Brandon Flippin'. The Restless was a group about the music and the art that we created. And so anything that I did was going to be about the music itself. And uh, that's how kind of The Restless kind of came to be. And then I ended up finding different musicians to fill in uh, the pieces of the puzzle. I actually had a, a drummer of mine. I don't know if you guys have seen my my video for the cover, uh, Can't Help Falling In Love With You, but I was a best man in that wedding for that video that was done. And uh, the guy that was getting married was my drummer, Mike. And he actually drove from Minnesota down to Tennessee to record the drums for the album. And uh, so again, I had another moment, kind of like I had sophomore year of college, where things seemed like they were lining up. The stars were aligning. I all of a sudden had this full-length compilation or concept album together and I had this script now together and I was like I have this band this is exactly what I want and then I made the decision to move back to Minnesota because with that Jimmy John's job as much as I was learning how to balance it still was a job that if I get called on the weekend because something goes wrong with the shop I have to go I'm the general manager so I was like, I need to get rid of that responsibility and just focus on music again. So I moved back to Minnesota with my family. And then uh, we performed shows up here and things were going pretty well. And then the kind of decline uh, started with a couple things. Number one, my bandmates were all really wrapped up in their own stuff. Um, so it was less about us putting equal effort into the music and, and getting it out there than I would have liked it to be. I, I kind of felt like all of the pressure was on me and it was like, well, why are we a band if, if I'm just going to do everything? And I really wish I wouldn't have had that resentment because ultimately I still wanted us to make it as a band, but it, it was kind of a hard thing to, to balance. And, and we also, <laughs> a, a very, interesting thing with my music pursuit was opportunities that I thought were going to be really big ended up always kind of letting me down. So like, for instance, we opened up for a band that I like 
admired when I was a freshman in college, uh, Cedar Avenue. They just go by Cedar now, but um, they were kind of big when I was a freshman in, in uh, college. And I emailed them and asked them if we could open for them. And we did at, at this Amsterdam Bar and Grill in St. Paul. And I was like, this is going to be sick. I invited a bunch of people to come. Nobody showed up. And not even any of the headlining bands fans showed up either. So we basically just performed for like two people that were in the audience. <laughs> and it was like, I thought this was going to be a huge opportunity. Um, and it was tough. But the at that time, I also ended up getting um, a girlfriend that I kind of thought, you know, a lot of my life I, I've kind of had this idea of, you know, because my parents are married and they had me when they were 16, I had this depiction of love and the journey with somebody as that's what life is about. That's the purpose of life, finding your partner and and taking on life together. And so I, I, I uh, started a relationship with this girl and it was something where I, I, I really thought this is it. This is the purpose that I've been searching for. And it happened to me when I was searching for something else. So I wasn't really looking for that. I think subconsciously I kind of was, but it, it hit me at a time where it felt like I wasn't looking for that. And so I was like, shit, I'm now 24. You know, if she is the one, do I want to be a 29 year old still pursuing music with a job making barely above minimum wage? And, you know, we're trying to start a family and all this stuff. And so then I had that pressure on myself of like, I need to prioritize. I need to be a responsible adult. And so I went back to school. Then my band performed in the Fringe Festival, which the Fringe, a Fringe Festival, for those of you who don't know, is like a, uh, a community event where these different theaters come together to put on theatrical shows, whether it's just plays, musicals, dance performances, all this different kind of stuff. And we performed that insomniac show that I had mentioned earlier. And after I did that show, it was kind of like I laid my heart on the line and it was like a goodbye to music for me. It felt, and the decision to go back to school and, the desire to start a family and stuff was overpowering any other desire that I had in life. So I said, I'm not liking the way things are going with this pursuit of music. I don't like the way that I think I have to go in order to make it as a musician with social media, with, you know, writing songs just for the sake of getting a hit song. It's not, I don't, I don't like this. And then also the time clock of now I found my partner. I can't do this forever and, and hope to be a functional member of this partnership. And so I made the decision to uh, kind of call it quits and just focus on my education. And uh, yeah, that was that. Ooh, so that's <laughs> uh, it's a hell of a story. And I, I actually was there for the, the recording of what we're going to talk about in a, in a minute here, which is brings us to after all this time later, <clears throat> you know, in back in 2015, you recorded this album right. and I was actually there for it in Nashville. Uh, the, my first attempt, my flight actually got canceled because of uh, a blizzard. 
So I, I spent one less day there. Um, I totally forgot about that. I drove in that fucking blizzard. That was brutal. Yeah, that's honestly nuts. Um, but basically, I was there for it, so I, I got to hear everything behind the scenes. Not knowing that all this time later the album would come out. So what, or what are the thoughts going through your head today? Like, How do you feel today that now this music is going to be out there for everyone to hear? It feels really great, and the reason is, you know, my, my si- I talked to my sister the other day, and she gave me a bunch of shit. She's like, you're acting like you're signed to a record label, and you're, you know, releasing this album. You're so stupid. You just like attention. <laughs> she gave me all this shit, <laughs> which I can admit I do like attention, but the, the big thing, I think, as artists, you do like to share your creations, and even though I gave up on music, I think a big mistake that I made was I, what I really did is give up on the pursuit of music as a career. I should never have put music on the back burner altogether because the reason this journey was so fulfilling to me, even though I, I quote unquote failed at being successful was because I got to use this outlet of mine throughout this whole time. And so when I quit music, I didn't really have a priority to get this album finished. And so my producer kind of put it on the back burner. I put it on the back burner. And then three years later, I was like, hey, I would really like to close this chapter of my life. And I would really like to share it with the world. So now from this point on, what I really want to do is just continue to create um, off of the things that I consume and use that as my outlet, but also use that as a possible outlet for anybody who cares to listen. I don't care if I make money off of it. I don't care to to write a hit song. I just want to continue challenging myself as a musician. I hope that in some way, shape, or form, this music inspires people the way that it just writing music and being a musician inspires me and impacts me because I think that that's that's a priceless aspect of life is having that art that can, can connect to you in that way. Yeah. Today is an interesting day for me as well, because back when you were, you were going through that musical journey and being there for the album and then all the, all the years that kind of happened after that, there were a lot of crazy stuff that happened in both of our lives. So there's some significance to me as well. Uh, Specifically, some of the tracks on here, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about, because I've got just sort of my my questions about them. But you know, in particular, the song "Seam" is one of them that comes to mind. So we can actually talk about that song first. Um, I'll 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 tell you my experience with it. So back in yeah. 2015, I was going through a lot of stuff in my personal life. 2015 was easily the worst year I've ever had. It was a year of a lot of uh, evaluation in my life and, I don't know, a heartbreak. I just felt like nothing really was working out for me in general. And when you played the song Seam, it was the one song that, in in particular, kind of that end part um, that I always mentioned to you, that stuck out with me a lot. And now, having other people listen to it, I think it's, it's just a really, really cool thing. So... Tell me a little bit about this song in particular, knowing that there is a lot of emotion behind it and mm-hmm. that it is such a big, like, layered song. There's a yeah. lot going on. How did that sort of come to be? And was there a moment where you were like, wow, this is, uh, this is the first single I want people to hear? 
Well, the, you know, when I talked earlier about I was, I was pushing myself in a way I'd, I hadn't, uh, you know, I was doing rewrites of songs and, and stuff like that. This song was that first song where I was like, I want to write a song that I um, just is very abstract and is something different than anything I've ever written before, but in a way that's delicate and... Uh, you know, my depiction of like beauty. And so what I, what I kind of set out to do, I had this little notebook that I would keep in my back pocket. And any single, anytime I was at work in the morning, prepping the shop to get ready for open, if I thought of a line, I would write it down in my little notebook. So I was writing just these single lines of, of, of different ways to say things, uh, I guess, in my opinion, beautifully. And so this song, Seam, was kind of written with that intention to, there is a story behind it, I mean, I'll leave that to the listener's imagination, because I this is a song that, I think if any song on this album is this way, I think Seam is the most, where you can really take it into yourself and make it whatever you want to make it, um, because it is so uh, metaphoric. And so I, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted each line or I guess phrasing to stand out on its own, to be its own like beautiful piece of art. And so I really focused on, you know, different emotions, different memories, different uh, ways to describe things that uh, wasn't just coming out and and saying exactly what I was thinking as opposed to the song on my album One Night Overdue which I actually had the exact opposite of thought I wanted to say exactly what I was thinking in that song this was kind of the the polar opposite where I wanted to say what I was thinking so metaphorically that it could mean anything to anybody but still ring so true in a beautiful manner to myself So with <clears throat> with that song in particular, I know you had mentioned it, but is there a music video in the works for it? Yeah, actually, it's going to be my first single. Um, I have an animator; uh, she's she's working on it currently. It, hopefully, hopefully, it's going to release on YouTube uh, halfway through November. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, if you follow me on Instagram at Brandon Flippin Music or just on YouTube at Brandon Flippin. You should be able to see that coming out um, after this album releases. But uh, yeah, because it's, I think it is the most uh, powerful song on the record. So I, I felt it was important to make it the first single as well. Yeah, what about um, a song that, that sticks out to me in particular on this album is the song All That Being Said. And one of the main reasons why I like this one is it's got a little bit of a, like a sort of an anger to it there's something yeah. that like a not really it's not even an underlying thing it to me it seems pretty obvious and you you do some different things with your voice and the fact that you're you're a little more gritty in this song so what uh what sort of inspired this song and was that intentional to make it sound kind of angry well i think the emotion anger definitely well it's interesting because it's not exactly anger it's it's almost like it's like love. It's like anger out of resentment for somebody that you love. 
it, what I mean by that is like you, you love somebody and because you love them so much and they hurt you, you resent them for making you angry at them. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the final, the ending of the song is all that being said, these thoughts, they rage through my mind, but all that being said, I love you. So there's, there's this huge, I did, I, I specifically, you know, the, the song is kind of three songs into one song. You have this kind of beginning guitar part that's just kind of set in the, 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 uh, the foundation for where this anger kind of came from or something. And then you have this break where it's just total silence. And then like the rock song comes in and just hits you. And I wanted it to be jarring because it was like, I mean, if anybody understands that, that feeling of this uncontrollable anger or, um, I guess, outburst of passion, there's this, it, it's like an impulsive, overwhelming feeling of like you, you, the floor is kind of collapsing beneath you and you just want to latch out at something. And, uh, so it was like this battle between like, why am I so angry at you? Why, you know, all this stuff. And the song, I just, I think I had developed that part of my vote, my singing voice too, the ability to have kind of that grit. Cause I think if you listen to my earlier work, my voice was a lot more youthful sounding and a lot more like stereotypically poppy. And I kind of started to develop this, this grit. And I don't think I would have been able to do this song in my earlier work. But because I had developed a, a more uh, capability to have that grit and that anger within the voice, this song started to make sense and uh, fit well with, like I said, this, this, this album is The Passionate Mind. And you can't have a, an album about The Passionate Mind without the emotion of anger. Like that's, that's such a prevalent part of being a passionate person is, is moments of anger. Definitely. What, and, uh, can I? So yeah. for you, that that song is it just because it's different that it, it connects to you, or I mean, I know you're a big heavy metal listener. Is that a part of the reason why? I think the the driving force of the song, like it's got a lot of drive to it. Like I feel like it's got a little bit of speed. I like the little bit of grit in your voice, and even just the, even just kind of as you said, like all that being said, I still love you or I love you. That even just like that concept. I just feel like on, on an emotional level, I connect with the song a lot because it's kind of how I am. Like, if people know anything about me, I'm super passionate about every, everything that I care about. I care about, like, a lot. So if, if, I, if I'm if i in a relationship, like, I care a lot about the relationship. The people that I care about in my life, like, I'll do anything for. But that comes at the, the idea that sometimes I'm going to be, like, very angry. I'm going to voice my 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 thoughts in ways. I'm going to give you the the... the sometimes the stuff that's kind of hard to hear yeah so this song to me feels kind of like an embodiment of how i internalize things personally and how i vocalize things to the people that i care about so to me when i hear this song it's just i feel like what you were trying to get across hits home really hard and that's the reason why i bring up this song in particular because i connect with it so strongly yeah well i i think what you talked about is is really the the driving point of this is and, and articulate it in another way, I think a lot of times we think that anger comes from a place of hatred or a, a place of disdain for a person. And I think a lot of times actually anger comes from love. Like you love a person and you either want something out of 
your relationship with them or your friendship with them, the bond you have with them. You want something that they're not providing in themselves. And when they don't do that, it, it, the fury kind of builds up within you. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? What, what, you know, why are you doing this? What, am I wrong? What's going on with me? Am I fucked up? Like there's just all of this kind of these crashing emotions and thoughts that go through your mind in anger. And then if you can have a calm, you know, they say calm before the storm, but a, a calm after the storm where it's just like this kind of resolution of, you know, fuck it. I, I know I'm pissed at you and I'm angry, but it's not out of hatred. It's out of love. It's because I care exactly. so fucking much about you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you care about someone, you're going to, your emotions are going to be strong. Right. And that's, that's totally an okay thing. And that's kind of what I feel like this entire album is about, like expressing that passion for the things that you care about. It's a very expressive yeah. album. And I like, that's why I like the name of it a lot. Mm-hmm. So one other song that I wanted to highlight, and then, you know, if there's any in particular that you wanted to comment on, just because the last song, Expend, is one of the most different songs on the album, and it was also, uh, I mean, I, I didn't get to hear it for a long time. Like, I heard it way back in the yeah. day, and then I just, I didn't hear it for, because it was, uh, what, the last song that was mixed, or one of the last songs? It was, yeah. It was the, well, uh, it technically was the second to last song that was mixed, only because there was ah. a tiny little hiccup in another song. Um, but uh, but in terms of uh, the actual, like, putting the lyrics to the the uh, music, it was the last song that was mixed. Is there anything in particular about this song that you were trying to do, since it, it does sound a lot different than a lot of the other songs? Um, well... I guess one thing I'll kind of an Easter egg that I'll give away uh, for the people that listen to this podcast. You get a an inside look, <laughs> um, or host the podcast with you. There is there is a uh, a key theme throughout the album at different times where you hear the playing of a singular note multiple times. Um, so you hear it in manifest which is the second track on the album uh you hear the the singular note play you can also uh, hear me on it yeah steven's incredible. on it um, oh yeah because the manifest is like this uh depiction of different thoughts that go through passionate mind minded people's heads so i like texted all of my my passionate minded friends and said can you record yourself saying something <laughs> and send it to me and then i'll put it all together into manifest and You'll get to hear Steven. What, do you remember what your go. thing was? I live to prove people wrong. Yep, there we go. Um, so there, in Manifest, you hear the ringing of one, one note. Then you hear it in um, Abating Beauty. And you hear it in Expend. And it's, uh, it's just to kind of bring... It's another way to kind of say that all of these songs are are connected, and so that's one one part of it. But the the other part is, I think one thing in being a passionate minded person is this idea of purpose, and I I didn't I don't think that I had an, a song on the album that really depicted you know the battle of 
understanding what your purpose is and expend kind of I think it might have been the last song that I actually wrote for the album because I actually collaborated with Ford, my producer, to write the music to that song. So I didn't have the music written myself. Ford and I worked on it together. Like I gave him a couple songs to look at and then we kind of went back and forth on it. And uh, then he, he kind of came up with the final production and then I wrote the lyrics to it. And it was just, it was the last piece of the puzzle of you know, I've talked a lot about on this podcast, this battle within myself of wondering if I'm just making a lot more out of things than needs to be, but feeling like there is more that I'm yearning for and, and pushing for, and my purpose is within that somewhere. And so Expend was kind of my uh, attempt to depict that for me. And... Uh, and yeah, so it, I, I think it it is different than the rest of the songs on the album, specifically because the con like the the substance behind it is a lot different than what all the other songs are written about, and because it uh, is just for, it's in a different production value. Like that that's the only song on the album that isn't mixed with acoustic instruments it's well except for the ending with the cello and the violin those are they, wow. those were recorded live but everything else was done through electronic like synthesizers and drum kits and stuff like that yeah it's a it's a really cool sounding song i will say i'm uh i'm happy that it made it on the uh at the, at the very last minute <laughs> that it yeah. made it on <laughs> well i guess the story behind that is so because this got put on the back burner for so long my producer like couldn't find a lot of the tracks <laughs> So I actually had to, I had the the vocals recorded a long time ago and he was unable to find the vocals. So I actually had to re-record them like <laughs> a couple months ago. <laughs> so it, it just, this whole process, this is why you don't procrastinate on things. Like if you have a project, <laughs> get it done, complete it, see it through. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, is there any other song in particular that you wanted to highlight? Um... Well, Abating Beauty will most likely be the second single that I release. I have a music video idea for it. Um, so I, I guess not necessarily to go in too much depth on it, but just, you know, if, if you guys are looking for specific songs to, to listen to, Seam will be the first um, single off of it. And I think Abating Beauty will be the second if you're looking for a stereotypical like pop rock song i think my most my most uh, stereotypical pop rock songs would be surprise and nature of the heart i don't know if you'd you'd agree with that um yeah. like if you want to if you really want to see my uh inspiration behind where i started music Coldplay, the fray that kind of stuff i think those two songs you get to see a lot of it come out yeah, so, that's that's a good point. I, I yeah. think you're right. I, those are probably the two most um, Brandon songs. <laughs> most Brandon <laughs> old, songs. I guess old Brandon songs. Yeah, we know now you're a lot more uh, you're a lot more dynamic. Those are also like I don't know two of the most catchy songs for sure. So definitely right. check it out. Anything? Um, I, I have one more question, um, and then I guess we'll we'll move to the your final thoughts on it. But what um what's next for you music wise? 
that's a good question. Um, well, currently I am working on um, a piece. I, I won't tell talk about what the actual piece is going to be on because I'd like to keep that a secret until I actually release it. But uh, because music has now become, I, I've had the the wake up moment of music needs to be a part of my life. I need to keep creating. I do have another idea for an album in the future. And, uh, so I am writing for that right now. I'm also just writing randomly. I started writing a new song last night. I was telling Steven. So, uh, I will just write random stuff at, at different times. And, uh, and then I also have for my time pursuing music, I have all of these songs on the back burner that never got used for anything. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up releasing other stuff as just like a side project as well. Um, but ultimately music is just going to be with me for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm going to make it a point to, uh, keep that as a reality. I don't just want to consume things that I see in the world. I, I want to consume them and in turn create something out of them. And that's a, a strong personal goal that I have. And I think as an artist, I think it's a responsibility because, if you have any sort of skill set and you know, I'm not saying that I'm talented or anything, you know, that's for other people to subjectively decide for themselves. I'm just saying I have developed a certain ability within myself. And because of that, I feel a responsibility to share it. Um, because there is a chance that maybe something that I write or something I create could have an impact on somebody who needs it and, uh, is unable to, kind of like this podcast where we talk about how we try to have these conversations because we might articulate something that listeners are unable to. I kind of think I, I have a same responsibility within uh, creation of my music as well. So that's that's kind of where my head is at for the future. Well, is there any anything else that we did not cover during this podcast that you would like to address now? No, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I definitely want to say that, you know, I've really appreciated Stephen being with me through this whole process. He's he's he definitely has gotten to see this journey from beginning to uh, the end of uh, the creation of this album, not the end of my music journey, but just, um, you know, I I felt like if if there was any time that I was going to talk in in depth about my journey and stuff, it would definitely wanted to be on this platform with Steven. So this is in no way an attempt to be narcissistic or say you have to listen to my album. I I want you to if if you are um, compelled to and if you think that you'll get something out of it, I really hope that you do. Again, it's going to be available on on pretty much anything you can listen to music on Spotify, Google Play, all that stuff. And if you do listen and it means something to you, you don't have to reach out to me. But I I honestly love conversations with even strangers. Like if you if I've never talked to you before, but you're like, man, that that song seem it 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 really hits home for me. Or all that being said, you know, I I really love what you said here. It, it makes me think of this. I, I'm available. Talk to me on Instagram. Slide in that DM. Yeah, slide into Wait, those what, uh, DMs. How could they? Uh, how could they find your uh, your uh, DM? My DM uh, at Brandon Flippin Music. <laughs> <laughs> or honestly, you can email me Brandon Flippin Music at gmail I one of the things I tried to do when I was doing the band was I created an email list and I would send kind of like 
conversational emails to people that were on the list to try to just talk to people. And, uh, I love it. So if, if, if you feel compelled to do that because of the album at all, please feel free to reach out and I would love to, to talk to you about stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else that we did not cover here that, uh, any jokes, any jokes? Um, gosh, put on me a spot. Oh, there's a hidden joke in the album track track what? seven and a half there's a i'm just kidding <laughs> it's like whoa wait a second this is a this is some information i did not definitely not know no there's no jokes on the album i i did want to say one other thing before we uh we sign out here is just that brandon almost didn't do this and i had to kind of push for it to happen so yeah this is this is in no way meant to be like a narcissistic thing this is just one of those episodes that if you want to hear a little bit more about us like we are always down to share. And I do think that there is something to gather from any person's life journey. And I hope that through listening to this, you can hear that when it comes to pursuing any of your passions in life, that sometimes life doesn't always go exactly how you plan it. And it's all about like making that next pivot, finding a new way to innovate. And I think that Brandon's a really good example of this. Even if you listen to the first episode of our podcast, you know, he talked about not being on social media and then now he's a, uh, he's a pretty social media regular. And, uh, I don't think it's a hypocritical thing. I think it's just finding value in something. And if you want to check him out on there, he's, he's been posting a lot of uh, covers and uh, original clips. And um, I don't know if you mentioned this, Brandon. I, I don't know. Uh, I, feel, I don't feel that you did, but people could also find you on your, your SoundCloud. I know you've got some clips yep. on there as well. Yeah, SoundCloud.com slash Brandon Flippin' Music. I have uh, pretty raw recordings on there. The album will be on there as well. Uh starting today so you'll be able to stream it on there if, if that's your uh app of choice but yeah like i have a bunch of stuff that i i had never released previously on there so definitely check it out and your uh your youtube again for anyone who uh didn't yeah, get it it's literally just brandon flippin b-r-a-n-d-o-n-f-l-i-p-p-e-n i've got five videos posted up there right now and uh Hopefully we'll have six within the next coming weeks with that uh, scene music video. So, yeah, definitely, uh, if you're interested, check it out. Well, and as as we had talked about, this is um, not part of, part of our normal content, so we'll be back again on Tuesday. Um, and Tuesday's episode will be living up to your potential and that uh, the whole idea behind it. If you are a follower of this podcast and you want to check out some of our social medias you can find us at emg pod that is our twitter and our instagram you can also leave us a voicemail at 513-427-EMG5 if you have any thoughts or questions or you want to just tell us a funny joke we can play those on air and you can also send us an email which is emgpod at gmail.com we will also uh, be we are pretty responsive so if you want to slide into our dms on any of those you want to send us emails we usually get back to people pretty quickly because that's what this is all about, connecting with people and uh, starting some cool stuff. So thank you for listening to this episode, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Take it easy. Sorry, hovers the load unchained. I fell short. A loving brother. Couldn't fit the mold, a love unknown.